Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest or guests bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. Uh, Terry is really excited, so am I, but mostly Terry, because this week our guests are Abby Howard and Tony Howard Arias, real married adults and co-owners of Black Tabby Games. Their latest game, the horror comedy visual novel, Slay the Princess, comes out on October 20th. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We are delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you, especially <laughs> Terry, are. who has talked about y'all's games a lot on the podcast. So oh it's God. very cool to have you here to chat with the two of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it really is. I I need, I I mean, I know Slay the Princess is coming out. I'm very excited. I played the demo a number of times, and, but I am so hooked <laughs> on particular on Scarlet Hollow and I cannot wait for more episodes of that to drop too. Oh, thank I you. can't wait to get back to it. Yeah, that's going to be a walk in the park. That one, not, yeah. <laughs> to the structure of Slay the Princess. Yes, so let's let's start there. I want to hear about Slay the Princess because um based on the demo alone, this is, there's going to be a lot of um I'm I'm just curious about balancing all of the little intricate intricacies of choice and so i guess maybe start at the beginning how can you tell us a little bit about slay the princess and um what it kind of what's about i'll do the quick pitch and then tony can get into the meat of it or you wake <laughs> up on a path in the woods and a mysterious narrator tells you that you have to slay a princess or she will end the world what you do with that information and there are many things you can do with that information many is things. totally up to you and from there things get a lot more complicated that's such a great pitch. This is a game that's really hard to talk about because everything in it is a spoiler for something. Like every, every time we put out a trailer, somebody on Reddit or YouTube yells at us for, I can't believe you would give away X, Y, or Z thing in the trailer. It's like, I don't know how to talk about this game without giving something away. I'm going to okay. assume that listeners to this podcast have played the demo uh, after all of your plugging. So I hope so. The question was, how how do we balance choice and yeah, everything? So like, th- <laughs> that is the thing that, that astounded me when I first started playing the demo is initially you're given so many different options mm-hmm. of picking what you want to do. And they all seem to have permutations that will continue through each of the the chapters as you play through it. And it just seems like a lot just in the demo alone. And so I'm assuming the main game is even a whole lot more complicated. So how do you kind of balance player choice with telling a coherent story? That's a very good question. Uh, I don't know exactly how we do that. I mean, in the context of the demo, (laughs) one of the things that was really attractive about Slay the Princess as a concept to us was the basic premise of the game is so small that we can explore an absolutely massive breadth of choice because okay you know there's a princess in a basement in a cat there's like one location there's one character that you see on screen so there's only so many things you can do before exhausting those options what was i going to say i don't know i'm i'm frazzled today been playing yeah. audio for like 10 hours a day for the past week so yeah. yeah so that's a part of it where it's like in the demo it kind of started out as well what are the logical things a player would want to do in this scenario it's a visual novel but like let's just assume they have full freedom they are this character what is everything that someone is going to want to do and then let's explore that and see what happens and then that'll lead to sort of its own unique chapter two. And that's kind of how it set up the structure of it. And one of the things that has helped uh, this game not spiral into something infinite is when you get to chapter two, right? It's like in chapter one, there's a narrator who tells you to do things, but you also have this voice in your head, 
the voice of the hero who kind of acts as something between your character's conscience and also your character's intrusive thoughts. And based on the decisions you make in that first chapter, when you get to the second chapter, you get another voice that supports the voice of the hero. And we're able to kind of bottleneck and add limitations to choice in the rest of the game by giving more agency to these extra bits of your personality, where it's like they're not all just passive observers. They'll make decisions. They'll provide options. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious also about the the art style, Abby, because like um you have not only just like drawings, but there there's a lot of animation in here. How did you kind of go about turning what what you normally do as a cartoonist into something that has to to move with uh with different changes of of characterizations and and horror type body horror esque type stuff? How did you how do you guys animate that? Well, it's with pencil and paper. And okay. I just kind of draw a certain number of keyframes, which are not too unlike stuff I already do as like a cartoonist and that sort of thing of just like you are here and then you are here. So I just like draw the keyframes and then I'm like, well, it doesn't look very good like this. And just keep drawing frames until it looks good. So it was very intimidating to start, though, because I have always thought I couldn't animate. I've always thought this is too far beyond the scope of what I can do. I have no consistency like which helps sometimes with this game of just like ah she kind of looks different like almost every time I drew her in the demo but (laughs) it kind of works because it's like oh you know she changes a lot um it's on purpose definitely so I didn't think that animation was something I could do but then actually Tony like pushed me a little bit just in the demo there's like a part where you can swing your knife and Tony was like, oh, you could just like animate like a, one of those anime slashes across the screen, right? And How I'm like, hard could it be to animate a thing? <laughs> so that was the first thing that I tried. And I was like, well, actually, that wasn't very hard at all. And it looks nice. So then Tony was like, what if you animated a whole trailer? <laughs> so and you were like, oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, it was so terrifying. But I knocked it out in like a week and a couple of days. And now so. he keeps adding new animated sequences to the full game. And so do you. You're like, what if we did just a little, just a small one here, just for fun. So that's true. That's so cool, though, that you learned how to animate for the game. Yeah. I'm very happy. And terrifying, like you said, and terrifying. Just like a whole, just like a whole ass new skill that is on display. Like that's just so cool. Thank you. Turns out that a lot of people could probably just do it if they tried. I suppose that let that be an encouragement to try something new today. There you go. That's so cool. I mean, that's got to be really fulfilling too, as an artist, to be like, oh shit, I can do that thing, and opens up some new cool possibilities for you too. Absolutely, yeah. There are some animations in the final game that I am so proud of. I can't wait for people to see them. <laughs> so excited. So, what? Um, I'm curious. What is it like collaborating the two of you together on ga- on a game like this? Like, what has that process been like? Because it's mostly just the two of you, right, working on the game. We also have our voice actors. and our phenomenal composer that's our team and our sound guy yeah that's our team that's our team (laughs) so small yeah Uh, it's nice i like keeping it kind of small we we share a brain so hell yeah okay it's very good when one of us is having trouble the other can usually step in and solve whatever problem we were working on so and we already had like i feel like being a married couple before we started doing games together or around the time, I forget when it started, but after <laughs> I think so. Then we already had like a good basis of communication. I wasn't afraid to push back if I was like, I think we should cut this scene out because I already knew how to just talk really comfortably with Tony. So I think it's been great. Oh, it's yeah. brought us closer together. It means that we're on a horrible deadline at the same time instead of just Aww. me being on a horrible deadline <laughs> while Tony curls up on the floor in a pile of blankets and is sad that I'm busy. <laughs> okay to be fair your comic headlines were really bad yeah it's it like 16 yeah but i i don't feel like these are as bad as the crossroads deadline. that was like 16 hours a day for two months straight yeah that was pretty bad that was pretty wow. bad yeah uh, but hey i got it done in a little less than a year i think so <laughs> wow it was worth it in the end and then i got to start on video games so hopefully this oh, yeah. is the last big deadline but we say that for every single one. So it's definitely easier than episode four. That one kicked my whole ass. Yeah, we were burned out for like two months after that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. I should have. Yeah. Episode four is growing all up. <laughs> I'm kind of curious with um, Slay the Princess, what were your kind of inspirations going into creating this? Because I immediately, like, as I was playing at the demo, I was immediately thinking of like the Stanley parable. And then of course, like the idea of the princess in a castle, like is a, is a video game trope. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how you guys approach that and then twisted that in fantastic ways. Yeah. I mean, it, so it's, really started as I do all of the marketing for our studio and uh, it sucks. Doing marketing sucks. It's a giant uphill battle. I hate it. Marketing is fucking terrible. Yeah, you put so many hours into like, oh, maybe this will sell one copy of a game. But just based on the way our workflow is structured for Scarlet Hollow, Abby does the first draft of the script and then she hands it to me to like make my additions and put it into the engine and there'd be like this weird three month period between episodes where I didn't have a whole lot to do other than marketing. So it started as a, okay, well, what if instead of figuring out posting strategies, I started working on a second game in that time. And then a lot of those ideas came about like around the limitations of Okay, but Scarlet Hollow is an early access. This can't derail it too much. So how do we minimize the art requirements, which we have totally backtracked on? <laughs> but yeah, so it started with like, here's one character on the screen instead of there's some scenes in Scarlet Hollow where there's 10 characters and they all have unique sprites interacting with the background. And then not only does Abby have to draw all of those, I'm the person who does a little puppet theater with the sprites. So like there'll be a scene and we like to make sure when a character says something, everyone reacts to it in some way. Um, so it's like one line of dialogue, move nine sprites, another line of dialogue, move nine sprites. So like cutting down on that, the pencil art style for Slay the Princess, which I adore, but that came about as, okay, so we could make the art even faster if Abby does it on much smaller paper and doesn't ink and doesn't color it. And that removes like many steps of the process. And, and then, then you learn just... how to animate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to bring We're not that good at sticking to self-imposed limitations. <laughs> and then, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it probably will have taken about seven months. Seven months of yeah. full-time work, um, which isn't too bad. And it, means we don't have to get a publisher for Scarlet Hollow, which is way better for the long run for our studio and the quality of that game. Uh, so then for other game influences, like the Stanley Parable definitely creeped its way in. I've always liked dry British humor. And then uh, Disco Elysium is also a pretty significant okay. influence. Um, that one, there's... I think enough people have figured this out that I could talk about this part of Slay the Princess spoilers, but like one of the base functions of the princess is that she is a perception-based entity. So whatever you think she is, uh, she sort of moves in that direction and takes that form and gains those abilities. And the sort of Disco Elysium-style voices were... Uh, a mechanical way of being like, okay, but you would have intrusive thoughts in a scenario like this. What's a way for the game to get a sense of what the player character is thinking um, and then communicate that to players without stripping them of their agency? So like the princess will say something threatening and then you have the voice of the hero who feels threatened by it and the fact that he feels threatened means that like that concept can continue as is i feel like those are two heavy influences i think there's been a fair bit of existential horror influences for the full game a lot of uh sucked a lot from soma on that okay mm -hmm. soma's a great game oh, it is a great, game. a great game yeah oh yeah cool there question answered <laughs> congratulations you did it I hope my frazzledness is entertaining instead of off-putting to your listeners. <laughs> no, it's it's entertaining for me at least. <laughs> Great. We're the ones that matter. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's take it back a bit. How how did you both get introduced to the horror genre? I think I was just born in it. 
Hell yeah. yeah. Like okay. my mom's big Stephen King fan. My dad okay. is a huge horror fan. Just I think it's in my blood. So uh but I guess you didn't uh, have a choice. <laughs> yeah, early on, like I was a reluctant reader. I was not interested in a lot of books uh until I found a copy of Macbeth that had oh. a severed head on the cover. And I was suddenly like, I would like to read this one, mother. Um, I would like to read this book now by myself. So I memorized passages. I didn't, of course, understand it, but I was reading words. So my mom was thrilled and I loved the illustrations. They were horrible. So that's who I have always been. For me, my dad liked to scare me. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, uh, there was a time when I was like three years old and he chased me around with a remote control robot, gave me a fear of robots for years um oh, no. he he loved to show me movies that were not age appropriate because he wanted a friend out of his child so ha- mm. had the whole traumatized by the terminator when i was five or six years old classic um, but to my brother too yeah but uh, that got absorbed in my personality went through a horror phase in middle through middle school and then I started to get in trouble with my teachers for uh, things I wrote uh, mm-hmm. for not being appropriate. So I, I I sort of dropped it and then picked it up again once I started dating Abby. Turned Tony oh, yeah. into a goth again. Yeah. <laughs> but I had the seed planted ages ago. Mm-hmm. I just had to stop watering it. <laughs> there you go. I, I can relate, Tony, because my, my dad liked to torment me too with uh i've I've told the story before on the podcast but after watching arachnophobia and i've always had arachnophobia my dad dropped a plastic toy on me and i thought i was a spider and i freaked out and screamed so i i can relate to the dad tormenting oh yeah (laughs) there is a thing he would do where if he would get home before me uh, when I was coming home from school, you would just hide somewhere in the house, oh, sometimes no. for half an hour or an hour. Oh, my God. And then he would, when my guard was as low as possible, he'd get me. Wow. And look at you now. Look at me now. Yeah, it was all wow. worth it. It was all worth it. But Abby, do you remember the first horror movie you ever saw? I don't think I do. <laughs> I'm trying cool. to remember. I don't think I can remember, though. Like... I just was always watching stuff. I suppose I started with kids stuff that was kind of more of a spooky bent, like, I don't know, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island or something like that. I have oh, no idea. Oh, so <laughs> great film. Yeah, and I used to like watching Twilight Zone and that sort of thing, so. Cool. Yeah. So you, you, like you said, you were just born into being spooky because your parents were spooky. Did you, like, Absolutely. what did your, did, did your parents just, like, show you horror at a young age? Did they just kind of let you in? To watching it with you with them i don't think so i think they definitely okay. like you know there was the cabinet that had the vhs's i wasn't allowed to look at so they tried <laughs> to keep me away from the stuff that they thought was really going to traumatize me uh even though i was always just like i can definitely watch the texas chainsaw massacre yes i'm seven <laughs> years old but it yeah, says this words on this vhs box are scary to me and i would like to see this film so <laughs> They tried very hard to keep me away. They would read books before, like, I would be like, I would like to read this horror book. And they'd be like, let me read it first. <laughs> let me see if it's appropriate. But I'd always wind up reading it anyway. So. Why your mom's okay. faculties are so sharp still. You, you kept, kept her reading. <laughs> oh, she loves, <laughs> I know, she loves I Stephen know. King to death, though. She's read all his books. Are you Stephen King fan? No, not really. Okay. I like his short cool. stories a lot. Like I like Graveyard okay. Shift, uh, but the longer yeah. form stuff kind of loses me usually at a certain point, mostly because cool. of the right, the way he sometimes writes those like specific religious weird fanatic women. <laughs> They're uh, strange, yeah. yeah, but they sure are. I love thoughts and feelings, but that's not for this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're both of you like we're both of you super scared and easily scared as kids i mean it sounds like tony your dad just scared the shit out of you and but that's different (laughs) but it it, it made me easily scared because there was always (laughs) a danger it did yeah yeah. either it makes you more scared or it makes you less scared so i was curious for me it was more oh really 100 more yeah um okay social anxiety always scared me more so there was one (laughs) time yeah still does hell yeah yeah (laughs) horror is a comfort compared to that having to speak to people but um i think like 
I could get really worked up sometimes. Uh, there was one time at a party with some friends at like a sleepover. I was like nine or something. Uh, we were doing Bloody Mary and they all locked me in the mm. bathroom alone. And like oh. there was an outside light and they turned off the outside light and like held the door shut. And I was um, screaming my lungs out. And no. then the other, the parents came upstairs and were really mad at me. <laughs> mad <laughs> because at you? I was the strange girl who got invited to the party that the parents didn't like. So... And then oh, I just proved them right, right by being strange and screaming in their bathroom it's for no reason. Strange. Because well, all the other kids walked out from the door that came upstairs, so they didn't know oh, that I had been locked in. They <laughs> anyway, did. well. Wow. Hey, that was very scary, though. So, you know, <laughs> it was kind of fun because it was very, very scary. Not very nice, but it was no, scary. No. <laughs> Well, are you are y'all easily scared now as adults when you watch horror stuff or play horror stuff too? No, no, not for me. No. Though there is always a moment when I'm falling asleep and all the lights are off and I have to like get into bed or something, and I'm like, there is something under the bed and it is going to grab you. Or that sound was somebody breaking into your house and they're a ghost and a murderer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like okay. there's always a few minutes there at bedtime where I am very susceptible to fear. I think the one <laughs> thing for me is I still don't do super well with survival horror games, but I think that's more the not enjoying the tedium of being chased. Gotcha. I find it irritating. I don't <laughs> want the same way with horror I... games, though. I get so annoyed with getting chased. I'm like, I don't like this. I just want to be able to run around and not have to hide. Like, I, I could not do Alien Isolation because, like, <laughs> stealth sec- uh, segments where, oh, I spent 10 minutes moving forward 10 feet and then, oh, I died and that 10 minutes is under. I can't. I just cannot do it. Understandable. That game is intense, though, I have to say. Like, it worked for me, and I'm I'm with you. I hate, like, forced stealth segments in games, but I don't know. That one worked for me because I'm, I'm a huge Alien fan, and I just can't. I got to play it, but no, that's fair. I get that. Yeah, not not a dunk on the game. Um, no, just no, no, no. Of course not. There are some things that just I, I, I can't bring myself to do it. Understand. <laughs> Do you guys remember like the last movie you might have seen that like brought you back to kind of being a kid or or terrified you in a way that you weren't expecting? I mean, I watched Skinnamarink on mushrooms. Oh no. I had a great time, but I felt the fear. Oh man. Yeah. Like it was scheduled. The Skinnamarink night was all scheduled, and Tony was like, I think I'll do some mushrooms. And I'm like, are you sure? It's Skinnamarink night. And Tony's like, let's do it. It's fine. It's going to be great. And to be fair, Tony, I think, had a much better time with it than he otherwise would have. Um, Really appreciated the artistry of the film. Yeah, no, I feel feel like watching Skinnamarink on mushrooms uh, elevated my artistic abilities. Okay. Yeah, I watched it really high on edibles. I I watched it really high on edibles and almost peed my pants, like for real. So yeah, I get that. (laughs) Wow, basically the same experience. How beautiful! (laughs) Very, very, (laughs) very similar. (laughs) And I don't know if I've. I cannot recall the last. Really, the last time I think I was actually scared was when I was like twelve and I saw the ring. Okay. okay. Looking well, that's back, fair, it's not that yeah. scary. It's like a baby movie for little babies. Except it is still good. <laughs> like Ringu's good. <laughs> was there maybe something in theaters? Because I feel like the theater experience is the also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Well, then, what kind of subgenres do you find yourselves gravitating towards as adults, both like in games, but also just in the horror media you consume in general? I tend to just watch things that seem unusual. Okay. <laughs> like, if I can see a trailer yeah. and I'm like, I'm not sure what this is going to be, then I'm very excited about that. Uh, anytime cool. that I think I can be surprised or go into theaters not expecting what's going to happen. I mean, that's a big part of horror, right? Not knowing what it's mm-hmm. going to be. So I think yeah. that's the big draw for me. Yeah. And like we we watch most horror movies that come out. There's only so many that come out in a given year. I I always remain fond of horror comedy specifically. Okay. Especially cool. the ones that are light on the comedy side but it's present is like a humanizing component i feel like barbarian did that pretty well barbarian was very it's funny very funny movie. um it is, really it funny. is very funny there's that drawing a blank again I mean, we watched talk to me 
that was that me. was both okay. funny and scary. And it, it 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 it's the humanizing component of the humor. It makes all of the yeah. the actual beats hit a lot harder. I like yeah. Deadstream a lot. Deadstream was great. Deadstream, oh, was, Deadstream good. was so fun. Oh. I love that movie. If you like Deadstream, I'd recommend um, Chad Gets the Axe. Chad it's another like influencer horror type, yeah. oh, type show. It's it's found footage. It's hilarious. It just came out and it's like better than any other influencer horror. It's like it's way more clever and not just like, oh, dumb influencers. Where is more it? Like, <laughs> where it's is on it? VOD right VOD now. I'm, right now. I think it's okay. just out to like rent or buy. I don't think it's on okay, any cool. like streaming service, but I oh, would I highly recommend it. that one. Yeah, maybe when we crash tonight. That would be so well, fun. I can't I edit love. a single more lo- line of dialogue. <laughs> There's nothing better than a night where I know I have a new horror movie to watch. That's my favorite. It's the best <laughs> feeling. The best. All right. So now that we've talked about games and your horror history, uh, Abby and Tony, what movie did you bring with you today? Does this we brought Killer Clowns from Outer Space, a wonderful cool. classic. Classic. I know a lot of kids probably see this one pretty young, but yeah, sometimes when you see it, just a little too young. (laughs) So uh, we've covered this before. I think it was our fifth episode. So we are doing it again since it's been so long. Um, So for those of you who are not familiar with Killer Clowns of Outer Space, uh, aliens who look like clowns uh, come from outer space, shocking, and uh, terrorize a small town. That's the point of the movie. It is pretty much the plot. Thank you, IMDb. So much better. That it has it is, any right to be, I feel. It is. IMDb like is is like burying the lead on on how fun this movie is. So, uh, yes. take us back, I, Abby. I know this was your scarred for life pick. How old were you when you saw this? How did you see it? What about it scared you? Why is this your scarred for life pick? I must have been pretty young. I probably probably like younger than seven. You know, the age when I was like, I can watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no problem. But the clowns thing specifically got me because. They came around and knocked on people's doors with like, you know, pizza boxes and stuff and then put them in cotton candy cocoons and balloons and whatnot. And it was very scary. And they were suffering in there and melting. I really don't like when people melt, as it turns out. The blob also does it for me. That's why you're so good at drawing it. Yeah, it's really scary to me. (laughs) Anyway, drawing a melting scene right now. Anyway, um, but I was specifically afraid that they were going to come to my house and put my parents in a cotton candy thing. So I was constantly just convinced that any knock at the door was probably the killer clowns from outer space because it could happen at any oh. time. There's no warning and they could come to my house. I think that was the combo. Like other things happen elsewhere. Texas Chainsaw Massacre happens in Texas. They're driving in the middle of nowhere. I would never do such just a thing. Just don't go to Texas. Just don't go to Texas. I would simply never do that. <laughs> I, there's many reasons and that is one of them for sure. <laughs> yeah. Literally going to Texas on Thursday, which is hilarious that we're having this <laughs> Just don't go to Texas. It could mm-hmm. happen to you. Oops. It could. You know what? Across it's, the true. it's true. Avoid chainsaws. Thank you. I mean, that's just good life advice. That's really just good life advice. But anyway. So yeah, that was my whole thing with Chloe Flans from Outer Space. I thought it was a terrifying film. There were kids in it who got, almost got got. I think some of them. I I think think some of them got got. I think some of them got got. Yeah. But uh, there was that little girl at the burger place or whatever. That whole scene. I was just like, that could be me or my sister. It could be. It could be. So, yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer now. Space is a documentary. So, you know, you never yeah. know. And I think it the It miniseries came out around the same time. So that was a double whammy. And of course, we watched that because my mom loves It and Stephen King. So. so did you already have a fear of clowns before this or did this give you a fear of clowns? I've always been scared of performers coming up to me. To, to this day, still. <laughs> okay. Just like, yeah. so it doesn't matter if they're in a costume, like if any performer comes up to you, you're like, get the fuck away from me. Absolutely. I'm like, please don't yeah. do that to me. Please. You're putting me on the spot. And I have to just be like, oh, yes, I'm playing along too. You don't have to do Meanwhile, all this your work. social anxiety is like, run, run. Yeah, run. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It feels like I have to perform too. It's too much. just being like, you're doing great. Love your accent. Please don't speak to me. I can't so do it either. Else. That's why comedy shows give me so much anxiety. I don't want anyone talking to me and roasting me. I just like, I can't do it. It's too yeah. much for just my brain. Just back in a cloak. You can't yeah, exactly. See me. And then they'll call on me then, like, who's that fucking weirdo in a cloak? And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> but they won't know who you are. You're in a cloak. That's true. Very <laughs> Ar- Aragorn and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, anyway. Oh my God. Or wait, wait. What, what, what's the order? 
Of yeah, which, which word one first, came cloaked first, or cloak or cloak? I have to imagine cloaks first because it's simply a garment that makes a lot of sense. It's warm and it covers a lot of ground so you can stay like not wet. I anyway. think cloak probably came first. I'm going to I'm going to go out that's and my money. say that. Yeah. I think that's my money. But anyway, Tony, is this movie also your scarred for life pick? So I I did not watch this movie until late middle school or early okay. high school because I had a crippling fear of clowns for okay. my pre-tween years. Preloaded fear of Yeah, clowns. there was an episode Pre-loaded. of the Power Rangers where they fought some clowns and the clowns beat them up. And I I watched it when I was like three or four years old. I had for whatever reason, I could not bring myself to f- watch the whole episode because obviously they come back and they win. But I just watched the part where they got beaten up on loop again and again and again. And I could not handle the sight of clowns in, uh, for years. Up there with wow. robots in the ocean is like you, my, my biggest fears. All of those subsided except... The ocean, which remains terrifying, and now robots is creeping back up. <laughs> what with the advent of it? What with the advent of all of it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Very wow. Power Rangers. I forgot that they fought clowns in an episode of Power Rangers. Yeah. Huh. I do think it's interesting that that like clowns seems to clowns seem to instill fear in a lot of people. And when this movie originally came out in 1988, it there, that was like a decade that was um gripped by creepy clowns as well i was doing some research and like back in 1981 in massachusetts children were saying that men dressed up as clowns had attempted to lure them into a van of course there's john wayne gacy um who would entertain parties as pogo the clown like there's like a lot of clown fear in that era and then i i don't know if you guys remember but back in like i don't know was it like 2016 there was like all of a sudden another like run of creepy clowns across the united states showing up in places confirmed as a viral marketing campaign for it it was not that it was not that but it was right leading up to the release of it it was but it it was not marketing shockingly enough i guess but it was like marketing by accident (laughs) it was saw the trailers and thought it would be funny that's the one person dressed up as a clown. Everyone was like, that's so creepy. And then it's easy enough to just dress up as a clown. So people did that. I think uh, it's very easy to attribute any kind of viral hit like that to simply, I think a lot of people just decided, I'll also do that creepy thing. Dislike. <laughs> did not did not enjoy seeing that happen. I thought well, it was well, great. What are they going to do? There's a, a YouTube video that looked like um, closed circuit TV of a girl sleeping in one of those beds that has like a, a storage unit under it. And then the storage bin would open up and a clown would slink out. And like, Fuck I remember off. that like being like a big thing back then. If like that was like people saw that and thought it was real. I'm, I'm It was obviously staged. But then that sort of like all of a sudden, like you saying, it kind of turned into a viral thing. And then all of a sudden there were clowns everywhere. And there's a lot of movies coming out around that time about clowns. So it's just it's it's funny to me. And I, I can understand it because I do think the idea of like a frozen smile and you don't know what's actually happening underneath it is kind of terrifying. And that kind of juxtaposition of like a bright, cheery person and then you don't really understand what's happening behind like that kind of mask is is terrifying but it is interesting that every few decades all of a sudden they're everywhere and i i, I just think it's kind of weird and it like as well I mentioned talking about it, that it's one just, on your desk that's true keeps the cycle keeps going the, i think uh, and i have my uh <laughs> it's so cool <laughs> what a fun prop uh but I think clowns have been rehabilitated these days. The kids are really hot. Clowns. They're hot. People like a hot clown now. I don't know where that came oh, from. Is it the Joker? Well, Who knows? A hot clown? Yeah. Who's a I hot mean, clown? besides me. Ha ha. Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, what I what I'm I'm hearing about, I haven't watched it yet, but the one piece um live action apparently has a sexy clown in it. Oh, that's the art of that sexy clown. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, the one that, that oh, took over Tumblr for a day, that. and it was like, oh, yeah. why is there just a clown here? Yeah, I think clowns are uh, one piece. <laughs> not effective sponsored content because nobody knew what 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 the ad was for. No, it's like oh, oh no, there's just a weird clown. 
Well, we're talking about feet. it, aren't we? It's true. It's true. We are yeah. talking about the weird clown. Someone's got to keep the lights on at Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Since they got rid of porn. Um, got rid anyway. of porn. Nobody likes ads there. No. Never seen a user base so staunchly against letting I their love platform so survive. Well, maybe except for maybe people on Twitter. Maybe on Twitter. <laughs> the amount of ads that's more blocked. the owner than the user. Uh, yeah. uh, true. True. Yeah. Good point. Oh, anyway. man. Killer clowns. <laughs> From outers. Well, okay. We we're talking about how this movie is so much better than it has any right to be. And it's just so fun. And I mean, just look at the design with this fun guy. It, it's just ridiculous. Like, and they're not just people. And it's like, I love that they make them aliens who look like clowns. There's not even like makeup. It's just the way they look. All of their technology is clown-like too. Yeah. It's and it's like, oh, it's so, so silly. Dumb. Yeah, it's, it's so, so silly, silly until so the second silly. it isn't silly anymore. And that's what I just love about it. Like the pies where it's like, haha, this is all comic relief. But then he's actually dissolving in there. It is acid uh-huh. pies and he is dissolving, which again, I don't like it when people dissolve. It's not very nice. Seems like it would be very painful and unpleasant. Uh, <laughs> but hey, that means I just love it even more. I mean, the blob is easily one of my top five or eight picks, you know. It's oh, tough. The blob, the blob is one of my favorite baby. movies. Oh, it's it's so one nice. of my favorites. Yes. It's so fucking good. <laughs> And the thing with the clowns, too, is I feel like it could have been so easy to just either put people in makeup or just have one clown design. But instead, they've got like 12 guys that are all extremely distinct, such that when you see them walking around, you can tell which clown it is, what their personality is, how likely they are to murder multiple people versus just one specific person. It's great. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's one of those B movies that is you can just feel the love when you watch it like no nobody was phoning it in everybody like deeply and earnestly cared about the idea and they cared about having fun with it i just love how big the clowns are i don't know why but like when i i first watched this movie when we watched it for the podcast for the first time and i don't know why i thought the clowns were small i don't know why for some fucking reason i thought the clowns were tiny and then when i watched the movie I was like, oh, they're huge. And I don't think I fully realized that they weren't, again, people in like clown costumes. It was like full on designed rubber silicone monsters. And again, I love that because we talk about clowns all the time in horror and it's always some guy and like white face paint and a weird wig and like a shitty nose. But here they just made, again, like I said, they're, they're the full alien look. And I think that's just such a smart way to go about clown horror in an era where everyone wanted clowns. These are even scarier because they're from outer space. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they really are? Alien. Exactly. <laughs> alien clowns. There are some genuinely horrifying moments in this movie, though. In particular, Um, Well, first of all, you mentioned how everyone is very game in this movie. And I love John Vernon, who was, of course, Dean in uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. He plays like Sheriff Mooney in this. And he is, of course, like he's basically the dean of the movie where he's, you know, those damn kids, you know, I'm going to get you. You're never going to graduate and that kind of stuff. Right. So I love his character about how he talks early in the movie that no one's going to make a dummy out of me. And then what happens later on in the movie, he turns into a dummy. But it is actually quite horrifying when he turns around and and he's talking, but it is the alien's voice coming out of, you know, out of him. And it's he's literally a dummy. And then when the alien pulls his arm out, and it's like dripping in blood. I'm like, this is he's just like a wet slap. That, I yes. love it. Oh, it's so I remember gnarly. that forever. <laughs> it's so gnarly. Yeah. Like the deaths in this movie are also deeply creative. They mm-hmm. like mesh very well with what the movie is it's not just like they're going around stabbing people like they're collecting people and they're killing people in cartoonish ways it's cartoonish violence used against people which i also find fascinating like movies where it's almost never done very well uh usually it's kind of over the top or it's just like not very fun or it's in like a really really shitty movie but this one is just that sweet spot of like haha i'm gonna knock your block off and then the clown literally just you know, kill screens the guy, <laughs> knocks his he knocks head his off. fucking head off. Yeah, I, like the yeah. shadow dinosaur that and all so of the people screaming inside of the purse, and it's like, what's happening to them? 
Yeah, I I think something that's so effective with this is like the the extent of the creativity makes it so that you don't know what's going to happen to someone. But then yeah. at the same time, it adheres to what feels like a very real set of rules. Because when you get very, very creative with the type of kills a monster is able to do, you run the risk of making something so absurd that it's like once there isn't a framework that the creature operates in, it's not scary anymore because it just feels like a kid on the playground not eyeing you. Um, whereas here it's like they could do anything as long as it's funny and slightly clown related. <laughs> but because it's you have those two things, there's like a, oh, this is this is the framework. I don't know what I would even do about this framework, especially because the joke is them always succeeding. Yeah. So it's that also scared me of just like, it doesn't matter if I try to intervene. They are going to cotton candy my parents because they're all powerful. The more seriously you take it, humor. the more seriously you take take them, the funnier them, them killing you becomes and thus the more powerful they become. Yeah. The dummy scene. It's very much they were just messing around with the guy. Yeah. Mm. And they messed him around to death. They <laughs> sure did. <laughs> but I do I do know about the cotton candy cocoons because again, that mm. was another thing that really shocked me about the body horror in this movie. Um, we talked again with like with like the puppet scene, but with the cocoons and the way they hang from the ceiling, like weird light bulbs. Light bulbs. And yeah. what my um my local comic shop has this giant cotton candy like life-size cotton candy cocoon that i want so bad but it is like life-size and there is nowhere in my apartment that that would logistically fit but there's like a scary face like melting inside of it and it just looks it just is so cool because it it's just such a cool way to kill people you know what i mean like yeah. i mean the fact that you don't even know what's in there and you see so many of them first and then all you have to see is a little piece of what's inside. And then you just, just the face. horror dawns of all of these hundreds of cocoons. And I it would will... be so sticky. <laughs> so sticky. So, so gross. sticky. How, and I did think for a hot second when I first saw this that we were going to get like horrendous, weird uh, butterfly uh, <laughs> um, clowns. I was like, is this really where this movie is going? It wasn't, but that's okay. <laughs> but I definitely did not, when I first watched this movie, was so just, like, taken aback by how creative and scary it was. Like, I would, it didn't scare me, but it was more like, I get why people were scared of this now. Mm. Because in my head, it's always been such a goofy movie. It's killer clowns with two Ks. I mean, what do you expect? And it is silly, but at the same time, it subverts that a little bit with just how gory it is and how mm -hmm. much they slaughter, like, everyone. Yes. You can do both. And doing both makes both better. It's true. It's so true. And I love speaking of the, the cotton candy. I love the moment when so it's towards the end. And the entire first time I watched this, I remember thinking, what are they doing with this? Like, what 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 is happening? Like, Mary Beth, are they going to something going to hatch out of it? Are they transforming someone? No, it, the, the clown comes in with this ridiculous straw that has like way too many squiggles and just starts draining one of them like he's a spider and he's sucking out people in his mm. web cocoon and it is one of those things that's funny but it's also quite horrifying when you think about it like most of the things in this movie are actually quite horrifying for a movie that is pg-13 and has a couple scenes of like gore but doesn't necessarily have a whole lot it is still Deeply horrifying, just the the juxtaposition. I would th I would think really absolutely. And with that part too, it's like there's so much personality to the clown in question of like coming in and like clearly he's not supposed to be here, and he's yeah. just like, oh, I'll just have a little taste. And they never say anything. Like he never has to say any of it. It's all just communicated very well. So I think by clowning, by clowning, through the art of clowning. Yeah, <laughs> through, through the, the art, art of, of clowning. clowning, through the art of clowning. Is is the is the killer clowns game out or is it coming out? It's I cannot remember. Out. It's at coming out. Okay, at some point. Okay, I was I couldn't remember again. Due date, uh, release dates all become one in my head at this point. But the other thing that I I absolutely love every single time I've watched this movie is well, first of all, the popcorn gun, which apparently mm -hmm. was the most expensive prop in the film. It cost them seven thousand dollars to create it and six weeks to build it, and it actually shoots popcorn. Oh my god. 
Wait, so does it actually pop the popcorn in there? Is that why it's so expensive? Or I, I don't know. It, it just, just says that flinging the popcorn is so difficult because it's so lightweight. I think it's, I think it's flinging the popcorn because it says the popcorn gun. What I found was the popcorn gun. Um, it had a compressor that would allow it to, to actually propel popcorn, and it was the most most expensive prop made for the production. Oh. I I love the slow reveal of the popcorn though because it's so silly in the beginning when they're running out and he just shoots them with like a barrage of popcorn and it you know gets stuck to them or whatever and then throughout the first half of the movie it's like this slow reveal of what the popcorn kernels do you see them kind of like crawling along the floor as uh, debbie is going to take a shower she throws it in the hamper and the hamper starts to like shake at some point and then eventually it turns into like snake clowns coming out of the popcorn it is such a right. fun reveal that's actually quite like that like, would be cycle. terrifying I yeah don't know. it could just be like weird demi clown things you know like they have the <laughs> yeah, i want to do, do they have a biology or are they cons- like strictly cosmic horrors i like leaving that up in the air it's fun to think it might just be these guys and that's it <laughs> huh they definitely feel like a vibes-based society. Like, oh yeah, yes, our spaceship is a big top with a bunch of weird hallways, <laughs> in it. and that's what we live with. Vibes are weird, guys, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if everyone's into the vibes, they're not weird vibes. No, that's true. I, I guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Touche. 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 I love the big top, though, especially like the the fire pole that they end up going down. <laughs> And at the very last level, there's like a, a monster at the very bottom. I'm like, how is, how is God, this, this practical? The, the, the giant clown at the end? No, no. There's, no, wait, a, um, there's a part where... There's like this little monster mouth, almost like the Sarlacc pit, like at the oh, very yeah, bottom yeah, as they're going yeah. down. And they like stop at this level and look down. And there's like basically teeth trying to chomp at them. And I'm like, how is this practical? Yeah, everywhere you turn in that big top, there's just some weird stuff going on. But I suppose that's clown society. Clown society. <laughs> so I love this movie too because I had a friend in high school whose dad act like legitimately was a trained clown and went to clown college and he would like teach us all how to juggle and stuff. And I always was like, how does he feel about people being so scared of clowns? And he was always trying to actively combat the fact that people were <laughs> terrified of clowns. And I hadn't seen this movie. When I knew him, but I want so badly to message her and be like, can you, um, I know I haven't talked to you in like a decade, but can you ask your dad uh, what, what he thinks of killer clowns from outer space and how they are affecting uh, the perception of clowns in modern society? <laughs> I so badly wish I could ask him that question because it's- You can just do it. No, that's true. I could just, just do, do it. it and be like, hey, question for your dad. What is he, how does he feel about these movies and how they affect clowns? And can you write me I an just essay, love please. please. <laughs> uh, can I interview you for Dread Central about uh clowns and being a clown and how clown movies have affected your trade? I actually that actually might be a really interesting. Quote. Yeah, actually, now that you say it, it's actually, actually, now that I'm thinking, like I said, like, oh, wait, actually, and the power play of texting someone after 10 years. <laughs> power play <laughs> hey uh can i talk to your dad not you your dad <laughs> on transcendental about clowns <laughs> about being a professional clown yeah but anyway i just this made me think of that and how i know someone whose dad is a prof- like a professional clown pretty weird. cool so weird do you think it's genetic when is it gonna set in for him when is he gonna start the transformation do you think? Has it, it already, might started? already started? It might yeah. have already fucking started. Maybe that's why I've been talking to him in 10 years. Yeah, that's maybe that's why. Maybe she didn't want everyone to know that her dad is turning into a killer clown from outer space. Um <laughs> it turns out the killer clowns from outer space are from Earth. There's wow. one extra were, step. The killer clowns from outer space were the friends we made along the way <laughs> in high school. <laughs> in high school that you haven't talked to in a decade. <laughs> Uh, Carrie, what were you going to say before I derailed uh, <laughs> about my my old high school friend's dad's no, I'm career? I'm so glad she did. I so I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's either Kyoto or Chiodo. I'm not 100 sure, but the Chiodo brothers, who um, there's three of them, they directed this. They were special effects people. It's funny how like when you start to like, I mean, we're now four years into this podcast, and yet this is like. I think the third movie that has come on the podcast that they have been involved with because we talked about Critters. They did the Critter design in Critters. 
Um, they did the creature effects design in Ernest Scared Stupid, which was another episode we've done. Oh, and then, I forgot that. They're so good at these silly little guys. <laughs> they really are. These silly little scary guys, though. Like, yes. Sorry. I'm sorry, Terry. <laughs> no, no. They also did like the stop motion elements in the North Pole scenes from Elf. Like they've have like a Wait, long really? career. Yeah. That was that? Mm-hmm. Goodbye, buddy. Hope you find your dad, Mr. Narwhal. I guess so. Yeah. I haven't seen Elf in so long. But yeah. Um, they do were a puppet. Christmas special. There you go. <laughs> they did the puppets. They were a puppet supervisor for Team America World Police that came out. Um, they did, they also did stop motion animation for Marcel the, sh- the shell with shoes on. Like oh. these people they, they've have, got their fingers in everything. I didn't they realize do. they were still working on stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why I didn't, but I just kind of didn't realize that i guess they i'm saying their style being like so again like little freaks like little fucked up scary freaks with good personalities but i guess marcel is a, is a cute little freak with a good personality so i guess that makes sense but okay they apparently also did a movie as i was looking on wikipedia that came out on netflix in 2020 that i had no idea called alien xmas and they directed it and did stop motion for it I'm like, oh, and I never even heard of it until like Thank I was looking so much for this because I, I was going to ask if anyone knew what else they directed because I didn't know. Yeah, one hit white couldn't just be a one hit wonder. It's no, too good for that. Return to no. space. Those clowns were real. So <laughs> it was a documentary. I told you <laughs> what happened to that small town was covered in pies by the morning. Those door-to-door salesmen or uh, the mission, the the Mormon missionaries are actually killer clouds from outer space trying to come into your home and turn you into cotton candy slushies. I knew it. All these Sounds years, like I me. was right. <laughs> Wait, Don't so, Abby, Abby, how long were you scared of that? Like, how long did that fear of the door-to-door clown uh, last for you? It must have been a little bit. Probably at least, like, a year of, like, not, like open terror but definitely a because like we had two doors we had the side door that we always used and then the front door that we never used so the front Uh door is where if anybody knocks there they don't know us Mm. they don't know that we go into the side door so they're not to be trusted they could easily be a clown don't open the door and especially if we were ordering a pizza i was just like well the clowns could know that we're ordering a pizza and they could like intercept it and pretend to be the pizza guy and then get my parents so let me just add well i live let me just add the detail that Abby is still afraid of someone knocking at the door. Perhaps I mean, there, there's a doorbell, there's a door knocking. Abby goes, jumps a little. It's a, it's a fucking clown. The clowns are here. The clowns have been following Abby for decades. Maybe there's a connection. Wouldn't it be so funny for them to do it like 30 years later? It's they like your dad, operate. Tony, waiting until the very until the guard is down at the most moment, and then they jump out. Exactly. Clown's been waiting for so long to jump out and scare you <laughs> oh man what i mean to be fair i also i never answer the door when someone knocks on it like no it's terrifying get away from my house that's why i love living in a, an apartment and with covid they just have to put the food um on a shelf and i go grab it so no one knocks on my door so if someone knocks on my door i'm like there is a fucking stranger there is literally <laughs> no reason for anyone to be at my door um yeah no no thank you Oh my god, what if imagine ordering a pizza and it was a clown? That would I would no. shit my skeleton out of my body. That would be so scary. Sorry. But just now that image in my head of a fucking killer clown intercepting my pizza and like tricking me with my hunger, that is betrayal. <laughs> See, it's got you too. And you're not even seven years old. <laughs> it could happen to anyone at any time. <laughs> anyone anytime anywhere your next game is a psa about <laughs> don't ever answer the door it's never anyone you want to talk to i it's mean that probably is true clowns most likely second most likely, most likely is someone clowns. from insert religion here who will be very very nice and very pushy and they'll come back if you answer the door they'll it's, know you're there clowns. and they're clowns they're secretly clowns <laughs> i think you're right they're trying to indoctrinate me into their clown religion. <laughs> One of the things that I love every time I watch this is I feel as if there is a whole lot of sexual tension between Mike and Dave, the two male leads in this. So much. <laughs> they are basically like there's a there's like a scene 
and I uh, were like, Mike forces Dave to drive at a clown and the clown jumps out of the way and they crash into the wall and them sitting in that car. They're basically eye fucking each other. And by the end of the movie, they're all like hugging on each other. And I'm just like in my head cannon after the spaceship flies away and they get pelted by pies. They go home and they have a, a little bit of a, a threesome because like that is the <laughs> tension that I'm getting between them. That is that they're, is in my head. Really, they're, they're just so they're close. just waging a proxy romance via the girl. <laughs> yes, that's what it feels we're like. Re, we're gonna remake cotton cotton candy. Jesus Christ, killer clowns from outer space. Um, and we're gonna make it really gay. <laughs> okay. Yes, cool. please. Yes, Love please. That for us, I also, I will say though I do forget a lot about the people characters. This is one of those movies where like I do not think about any of the humans. I could not tell you any of their names without looking it up because I just only care about the clowns. Oh, uh, those silly ice cream boys. The Terenzi oh, brothers. Ice cream boys. Yeah, true, that's true. That's true. And like usually for a lot of movies, I'm like, oh yeah, I like I wish I cared more about the characters, but the clowns are so good and such good characters on their own that I don't disparage that in this movie. Right. Um, I, I feel like the human characters are quite solid in this. It's just that you only have so much headspace to remember things about a movie and the clowns are so good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't stick out as bad. It's just no, like give good. me some giant you give me some giant clowns like all I can think about are these scary giant clowns and how they kill these all these people. <laughs> Every time I've rewatched it, I even though I go back into it being like I remember that this movie is so much better than it should be, uh it, it continues to be so much better than I expect it to be. <laughs> yes oh, same and i speaking of the terenzi brothers i do love that like they're they're so like focused on on getting laid right and so by the end of the movie they fall into a ball pit and they turn around and there's a pair of women clowns and their breasts start this... to inflate oh <laughs> just God. like what just... the fuck this movie it's... is there's just so much ridiculous. And anytime that like you think that like there's gonna be like an edge to the silliness, they somehow manage to push it a little bit further and bless them. And with that, really. they survived the encounter. <laughs> I was they not did. Expect- I thought that was gonna be it. They're too yeah. likable to but not survive. Too, it's too funny for them not That's to That's the thing. To it, not it, die. It, yeah. it, it follows Roger Rabbit rules. Yep, that whole place is basically yeah. just, oh, it would be so funny if at the end of this flagpole there was a giant monster, or wouldn't it be so funny if there was actually another clown who's really, really big? <laughs> so. Yeah, wouldn't it be so funny if the boys make it out of their uh, clown sexcapades a-okay? Covered in big cartoon smooch marks that aren't And acid. their clothes are all torn. Like, they have, yeah. they have seen some shit. And it's it's never, like, broad attention. They just show up, and it's like a sight gag. But they don't draw any attention to it. Like, there's no, like, oh, you should have seen it. Like, there's no comments or anything. It's just they are literally there, and their clothes are destroyed, and they are covered in big smooches. And yeah. I love that. <laughs> they don't I kiss love that. Tell, you know? Nobody comes exactly. in and says, so that just happened. <laughs> right, Exactly. <laughs> This whole movie gives me big that Key and Peele skit about Gremlins 2 vibes about just like, do it. We're going to do it. Like, going to die in a, a cotton candy cocoon? Great. We're going to do it. It's like the writer's room felt like they just sat there and thought of all the crazy things. And they're like, further, go further. And it must have been so fun to write this movie and just be like, how ridiculous can we get? And how much can we push this budget and do these incredible kills and nothing is off limits and I'm that must have just that must be so cool as like a creative person just be, to be able to just do that I feel like and they tied it all together that's like the hardest mm. part yes! it, it yeah! doesn't feel disjointed it, everything feels like it belongs like you said yeah. this movie is better than it has any right to be for a movie that's called killer clowns from outer space and tells you the movie right away like with that it's great got the most on the nose theme song. I was, I was just about to say, it's a good theme song. It is a good theme song. Or speaking about on the nose, the fact that this movie relies on like video game logic of the big bright red spot is their weakness. Oh, Perfect. I love it. Once again, <laughs> it's so simple, but it's so effective. It makes sense. It does. Of course, that's the weak sense. spot. It's funny. If yeah, it of course it does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about with Killer Clowns before we wrap up and give us a rating out of five? I feel we've covered it. Yeah, I think so. Amazing. Okay, Terry. So starting with you, 
How many cotton candy cocoons out of five do you give killer clowns from outer space? Every time I watch this movie, I it, I don't know why at this point, because I've seen it like half a dozen times within the last, I don't know, six or seven years. I Every single time I watch it, I'm like, is this going to hold up? And every single time it does, I am always amused at the little sight gags, the way it unfolds the little bits of, of horror that are apt really truly horror like the you, we mentioned earlier the little girl that's sitting at the the burger diner and there's just this clown and he's beckoning her to come outside and she's like okay like <laughs> these little moments are like actually quite terrifying but it's surrounded by literal cotton candy and just color-coded color candy color-coded joy with like a little rotten center that they're probably going to suck the juices out of with the crazy straw. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous, mm. but it's somehow makes perfect sense while you're watching the movie. Like if you were to talk to someone that had no idea about killer clowns, to be like, yeah. And then it, they pull out the straw and suck the blood out of a cotton candy orb. like, what, what is this movie? But it makes sense while you're watching it. And I think that is the magic of it for me. It is, um, I think four, I'm going to go with four cotton candy cocoons. I think it's just, it's a delight. And it's aged really well with all the practical effects. I love it. What about you, Mary Beth? I'm also going to give it four. I've had this mask on my wall for about a year now. And even people who are in horror movies but aren't a horror people will recognize it and be like, holy shit, that movie terrified me as a kid. And I love the unity over killer clowns that we all seem to have. Even if we aren't big horror heads, we've all like, a lot of people have experienced the terror of killer clowns. And like you said, Terry, every time I've seen this movie, I get more out of it. And it's just such a testament to like good entertaining horror. Horror that doesn't necessarily have to have like a bigger point to it or like a deeper societal message, which I absolutely love. But there is like something really fun about this movie that's just so purely ridiculous that it loops back around to terrifying. And I love how they balance that so well. So it's a four. And I, whenever I try to show this to people, I have to be like, I promise you it's better than you think. Like, I have to caveat that because they're like, seriously, I'm like, no, we're going to have fun. Even if you aren't a big horror person, you'll have fun. Um, but yeah, so that's four for me. And then um, Abby and Tony, you have the final word. How many five cotton five. candy? Five. five out of five. Five out of five. Yeah, for me, Hell yeah. Uh, I think I think something important about a rating is like the execution on the idea. I, I don't think you could execute this idea better than they executed it. It is flawless for what it is. So that'll be five giant balls of cotton candy. And I'll throw in one of those, those jumbo sodas <laughs> that you can get at the circus. And now maybe some popcorn. popcorn. Yeah, you know, give it a couple bags of popcorn too. Yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for joining us to talk about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Where can our listeners find you? And the floor is yours. What do you have coming up that you can plug and talk about? Where can listeners find us? It's, it's, oh, it's, online. Is x.com <laughs> going to be around by the time Who this airs? Knows? Is it going to be paywalled? Um, yeah, you can find huh. me on Blue Sky. <laughs> I'm on Tumblr. Uh, I've on never Tumblr. left there, so I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Instagram, and I don't post there. Um so that's useless. Sorry, all of the social media has collapsed. <laughs> you can find our website, blacktabbygames.com, and you can wishlist Slay the Princess or buy it. It's almost out. Uh, and play Scarlet Hollow, our other video game. Buy that. Uh, buy the bundle of both games together. Get an even juicier discount. I don't maintain personal social media because I can't run two accounts on the same platform at once. It's just too much. Um, it's a lot. But I run our studio accounts. Anyway. You can... Uh, yeah, uh, no more Twitter. Um, we're on Blue Sky, Instagram, TikTok when I feel like putting effort into editing a video. The best place to probably find us, though, is our Discord server. Uh, I guess we can provide a link for that. Uh, it's also in our bio for most of our social sites. Yeah, I'll oh, make yeah. sure to include all of that in the show notes, too, listeners. So go check it out. Yeah, we'll send you the important ones. <laughs> cool. Appreciate it. 
Well, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Killer Clowns from Outer Space? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful, and I'm also, we're also on Blue Sky at the same. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Blue Sky at Scarred for Life Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Oh!